Hey folks, I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, for the summer season, we're going on a walk through the mangroves, exploring the waterways of Merritt Island on Florida's Atlantic coast. This is the first part of our two parts exploring the impact and importance of mangroves on Florida's coast. And we're not walking alone. No, we're walking with an expert today. This episode is all about her and her expertise and our conversation on Merritt Island just a few weeks ago. We are talking about Florida's mangroves. So I don't want to waste any time. I want to get right to the conversation. Let's meet her. This is Dr. Loray Simpson. Uh, I am Dr. Loray Simpson, and I am the Director of Research and Conservation at Florida Oceanographic Society. Um, but my specialty is that of a marine, or my specialty is a mangrove ecologist. Your specialty is as a mangrove ecologist? Yep. I actually did not know that. Mm-hmm. How did you come to, to this field in the first place, this sort of broad field, and then how did you come to mangroves being your specialty? Well, the love of science started with the fact that, you know, just in basic high school biology, where when you look at this world as a system, if you can kind of mess with one thing, it causes something else to change. And I really, really love that idea. And as I kept you know, growing up and going camping and then finding out that I could get paid to go kayaking and travel around the world looking at plants or animals, I said, sign me up. <laughs> um, so here I am. And I, I essentially just kind of fell into mangroves. But the second I found out that they were plants that were found in tropical to subtropical regions, all the really nice places that people like to go mm-hmm. um, explore <laughs> and go on vacation. Um, and just the fact that they're an amazing habitat, an amazing um, assemblage of species, that it was just kind of love at first sight. And so here I am 12 years later, still mucking around in the mangroves. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get to the Florida Oceanographic? How, how did that become your, your, your path? Because that's where we met. That's where we met through Max Chesnitz mm-hmm. working on the manatee story. How, how did that come to be the organization that you work with? I'm referring to my episode from last fall when journalist Max Chesnitz of the Treasure Coast Palm took me around the Indian River Lagoon discussing the massive die-off that Florida's manatees were experiencing. Max is still covering that story at length, and you'd be mistaken to not be following Max on Twitter, where he is posting about this work constantly. He is a must-read journalist, especially if you care about Florida's ecology and Florida's manatees, as I do. Last year, when Max and I were exploring this topic, he took me to the Florida Oceanographic Coastal Center down in Stewart, where I had just a totally lovely time, and I got to meet Loray for the first time. We discussed the seagrass that the center is growing to help support the manatees' diet. Go back and give that episode a listen, because that story is hugely important, and you get to meet Loray for the first time. She provides a lot of insight into that work. A few months after that episode came out, I got an email from Loray saying she loved the episode and she has been enjoying the show since that episode came out. She listened to my episode about the great freezes of 1894 and 1895. That was the first episode of this year. And she said that it reminded her of another story of how freezes impact Florida's mangroves. And we agreed to go on a hike near some mangroves to chat about that story and the unique ecology of our mangroves. The first day we had planned got rained out, but we found another great morning to meet up, so we headed to a little trail on the Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge. There is water all around us. This trail sort of weaves through the beautiful blue water all around the island. At first, we don't see any mangroves, but we'll get there. 
Let's get back to Lorray and how she started working for the Florida Oceanographic Society in the first place. Um, it was a, it's kind of a circuitous path, but I was in the area for a long time um, at the Smithsonian Marine Station studying oh. mangroves. And unfortunately, in the world of science, a lot of the work is grant work. And so right. when that grant was done, I kind of popped around. I was up in St. Augustine studying the mangrove migration at the Whitney Lab. Um, then I actually did a little stint at the University of Alabama trying to understand um, salt marshes and um, freshwater marshes up there. And this job presented itself, and I said, I need to get back to the Indian River Lagoon. I need to get back to my mangroves. And it's been wonderful. There's so many amazing, important ecosystems, whether it's seagrasses and oysters and mangroves and the Indian River Lagoon. So there's plenty to study and plenty to keep me busy. Well, it's funny because we talk about the Indian River Lagoon and we were talking about this before we started recording, but I, it's amazing to me how big the lagoon is because mm -hmm. we, are, we are like an hours of drive north mm -hmm. of where you work, of the Florida Oceanographic. I mean, we are, we're closer to where I live than to where you work, yeah. but it's the same body of water. It's yeah. the same ecosystem. Awesome, 156 miles long. Takes up about 40% of Florida's coastline. 40 percent mm -hmm. wow mm -hmm. i should just i should just scrap the entire idea of the podcast and just make it an indian river lagoon podcast because <laughs> every time i'm always like man there's so much to write about here there's there just so is. much to be explored black mangrove we hey. found the black mangrove okay you were talking about this let's talk about them what's yeah. what's so we've been seeing a lot of white mangroves, white mangroves which are the the oh i literally can see the difference in the color yeah as we pause our conversation for a passing car, Luray spots a black mangrove. We'll discuss this in a bit, but Florida has three variety of mangroves, black, white, and red. They're each distinct and recognizable in their own way. Stay tuned to hear how bad I am at identifying them. So the color is one of the main things that kind of stick out to me. They're much greener. But then if you look at it, they have like the kind of oval shaped leaves. Oh yeah. Um, they're supposed to have little nectaries too at the base of their pedial so those wow. little bumps oh yeah that, that's a telltale sign for the white mangrove as well so what is that you said nectary what, what does that do for a, what, so what, what part of a tree is that to secrete something but i have never actually seen that or never or like seen it in the literature as well so wow i don't know if maybe in different parts of the world it performs differently sure is black mangrove you we mentioned that there's other more variety of mangroves mm -hmm in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Is black mangrove present all over the world or is it most present in sort of this hemisphere or this, this region, of this continent? Uh, this genus is present all over the world. Wow. Um, but the, this Avancinia germanus, this is only found here. That was the scientific name for black mangrove, the Latin name, Avicennia germanans. Wow. And so this one you can tell, um, the leaves are a little bit longer. It's such, I wouldn't use leaves to try to notice a black mangrove because if they're under shade, they might grow differently. Sure. But the thing that is very noticeable is on the underside of the leaf, it's white. Wow. Yeah, it's like totally pale on yeah. the bottom. Why is that? So it's just a means to kind of protect itself from sun. So it has this like very fine hairs that will no um, kidding. help transpiration. The one cool thing about these black mangroves too is if you don't see it on this one, but these guys, what they'll do is when they live in salt water, they'll pull the salt water up and through their 
um, stem and through their roots, but they'll secrete the salt on the backside of their leaves. Wow. So they don't actually, it's a misnomer that mangroves like to live in brackish water. Hmm. They actually are fine in fresh water, but it's more of a competition thing. So they have adapted to live in salt water by either excreting out of their leaves or the red mangrove actually doesn't even let salt water get into its roots. So let's break that down real quick. I've always thought, and we'll discuss this more, that mangroves have a specific relationship with brackish water, meaning water that is a mix of freshwater and saltwater. Lots of coastal ecosystems are brackish, and mangroves exist in abundance along our Florida coasts. But one thing that black mangroves do to survive in saltwater is they secrete the salt from the water out of their leaves. They only need the water part of saltwater. As for red mangroves, which we'll discuss in a moment, they don't even take in salt water. You, you've been mentioning a lot, and, I, and I've been really curious about this, you keep saying the mangroves are like a collection mm -hmm. of things. What exactly does that mean? Because yeah. if we're talking about them as a specific genus, specific species of tree, mm -hmm. but they're made up of multiple things, how can that be and they still be one species, so to speak? So, it, yeah, they're actually, it's an assemblage of species. Um, a mangrove actually just fits into a set of rules, essentially. So a mangrove, we can have a mangrove tree, there's mangrove palms, there's mangrove ferns. And what it means is, number one, it could live in this very narrow niche that the mangroves live in, kind of a, a tidally inundated, harsh environment. Um, another thing is they have a mechanism to keep salt out of their um, system, or they can excrete it somehow. Um, they also give forth live young. It's called vivipary. What? Yeah. Why, 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 why? Hang on, <laughs> yeah, hang on, yeah, hang on, yeah. hang on, hang on. So most plants have a seed, seed, right? Right. And so the seed goes, needs to be germinated, and it will grow. The On a mangrove, the propagule, it's not called a seed, it's called a propagule, actually germinates before it falls off the tree. So it's growing on the tree, mm -hmm. and then it drops or, or goes to the water, mm -hmm. and then it starts growing as its own. Propagule as in uh, like connected to the word propagate, like it, it, it grows its own, it, it is able to exist, just drop just and grow. Right there, yeah. Have you ever gone walking near mangroves and, and you've seen those big thick green things on the ground, maybe like three or four inches long shaped like a green cigar? Those are propagules. They are living seeds. They're already their own individual specimens when they drop from the tree and they wind up cultivating into their own mangrove tree. You can hear my response when Lorraine says, quote unquote, they give forth live young. I mean, what? That's not what plants do. Plants drop seeds. Animals, mammals give live young, right? But not the mangroves. So it's too early in the season to have them on the tree right now, um, but they come in different sizes and the size has essentially like a, a maternal storage in it. So there's energy that it can grow off of until it finds a suitable habitat to kind of raft into and grow. Wow. And oftentimes you'll see them floating around and they're already putting out roots. They're like just ready to go. Seriously, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Remember these propagules in what Lorraine is about to say. This is the crux of the story that Lorraine brought me out here to discuss. So these guys, the black mangroves, they can float for up to three months and still be fine. Mm. Um, the black mangrove, or the, I'm sorry, the red mangroves, they can float for up to a year and then still um, be germinated and grow. These little guys, uh, the much, they have a very small propagule and they can only last for a few weeks. So these are the white mangroves. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that we've been seeing out in the water. They're the yeah. smaller ones. So yeah. so what what is the, dis the sort of 
distinguishing factors between a black mangrove and a white mangrove other than the color mm-hmm. of their of their uh, their trunks or stalks yeah well so the reason that these are called a black mangrove too this one is too small to tell but the older ones they have a very dark black um, trunk so right these are the ones that get real like you see these on the coast these are the ones that are like really really big and can hang over your head black mangroves they can yeah uh, oftentimes on the coast you'll also see the red mangroves with the big arching prop roots those are the ones i'm thinking of mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. okay those that makes the, sense these are in there too but they're not as dense as you're probably thinking right with the red, mangroves. red mangroves are very distinct looking because of that sort of big looping quality yep. to their bases i mean they're, those they're prop roots they're amazing <laughs> they're they they're mind-boggling yeah but what is the difference between the black and the white mangroves? So besides just the basic leaf morphologies, the white mangroves usually are higher up in the tidal column. Tidal, as in T-I-D-A-L. Tidal, as in connected to the tides. Um, they don't like to be wet as much as the black and uh-huh. the red do. Um, but as is nature, you can tell that it's just doing whatever it wants. So it's adapted somehow. But usually that's kind of the classical distinction is you have the red mangroves right along the coast, the black mangroves are kind of interspersed in there, and then the um, white are all the way in the back. So they need to be in in water to exist, right? All mangroves have that quality where they need to be in that. Why why is that in these trees, that, that, that that is an essential quality? It's not necessarily that they, you know, have adapted to want to live in water. Hmm. It's that they have adapted to be able to live in water. And oh, okay. so it's a competition thing. You know, there is only so many plants that can live along the margins of these mm-hmm. coastal areas. And so these are um, plants that have been able to do so. So they, they literally are like, we don't have enough space out here. So we're just going to, we're cool. Yeah, we're just going to go fine. to the water. Great. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about the ones that are out there, we can't see them right now just because yeah. of the height of these, but the ones that are out, not they're not in water because it's really shallow. We can see the birds are walking along the shallowness of that. But why do they sort of prop themselves up in that more marshy area out there? So that's part of um, one of their ecosystem services is they're really good at accreting land. Mm. Um, they, they need to be in a certain um, tidal prism or like a tidal height. Mm-hmm. And so these little guys, and I think the reason that we're seeing so many whites out there is they have a very small propagule and it can get far into um, areas. And once that grows, it starts other um, species will be facilitated to the area or um, sediment will kind of get mucked up there mm. and it just kind of grows over time. Okay. Okay, quick summary. The mangroves can build up the land around them, kind of creating their own ground to stand on. It's incredible. That's just how they survive, especially the ones further out in the water. And not just the presence of water and land, but also the weather, the air, has a huge impact on how the mangroves grow and where they grow. Mangroves, they're found in tropical to subtropical regions. They don't like it when it gets cold. They're not adapted to that. And so often here in Florida, also Louisiana and Texas, which Mm. are the other uh, states that mangroves are found in, they're kind of kept at a certain latitude due to freeze. And so these mangroves, they'll kind of get to a certain area and that's where they integrate with salt marsh. That's at its southernmost range of distribution. It's called an ecotone, which we are standing in right now. Okay. Um, An eco what? Say the word again. Ecotone. Ecotone? Mm -hmm. It's a transitional area between uh, different habitats. Okay. So like literally this, like this sanded area, this sanded trail. 
Oh no, it's not there. It's a little bit further. This, um, this area, like um, this latitude in Florida. Oh no, kidding. Okay, I'm dumb. I thought you were literally talking about this road. Merritt okay, Island is sure. In the ecotone. Okay, <laughs> okay. So that means that it's. I mean, that's what is that what we mean when we say like subtropical? Is that what we mean when we say phrases like that or terms yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. When you start to switch from subtropical. Okay, I'll admit, Lorray and I get a little distracted here, and we'll come back to everything I was just talking about, the, the factors around mangroves, but we get distracted. Lorray has just told me that mangroves like the ecosystem of Florida because it's between tropical and temperate weather. Florida is subtropical, which means it's a perfect spot for mangroves to settle down, but Lorray and I briefly forget this topic because we spotted a little beach from the trail and followed a route to go visit it. I noticed a strange cube shape on that beach and I wanted to see what it was. It's, huh. It's like a cinder block. It's like a part of a cinder block. Well, there's a little, little crab under there. A couple little crabs. Hi, little guys. What is that? Oh, that's just dirt. And we're just playing out here. Yeah, now we're literally just playing in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> we saw some little crabs. I wonder what kind of little guys those are. And this cute little mangrove. Big mangrove. So these are cool. These are pneumatophores. Oh, there's these little tubes here. Yes. They remind me of. Um, tell me if this is anything. Do they remind me of the how cypress trees have those little knots that grow up? Exactly. Okay. Yep. So the beach we've discovered has, of course, a mangrove. There are a few of these little tubes that are sticking out of the ground. Luray just identified them as pneumatophores. That word is spelled P-N-E-U-M-A-T-O-P-H-O-R-E-S, pneumatophores. Make that a spelling bee word. So we spot a few of these guys on the ground, and they remind me a lot of the bulbous roots that pop up around my favorite tree, the bald cypress. So pneumatophores are, you can kind of akin them to being a snorkel. This allows the black mangrove to breathe when it's underwater. Mm. So this is its root system. Um, okay. If you were to pull this up, it would just go and go and go. Directly back into that mangrove, and they just like the root comes out, and these little snorkels keep just popping up. So these just allow it to get to get oxygen. Oxygen when the tide is up. So so are these? Are, is that present in all mangroves? Um, here in Florida, it's present in the black mangrove. Every once in a while, you'll see it in the white mangrove, but it's not that common. And then the red mangrove, no, they have the big prop roots. That's that what those do. Of, uh, they're doing the same thing, but it's just a different okay. um, way. Those, are, some of them, uh, am I misseeing? Do some of them have green leaves on the top? Like those little no, green, or is, is that a different plant? This is a species. What is that? This oh, they're is, so beautiful. Yeah. The plant Lorray and I are looking at is called Battis, sometimes called saltwort. I thought for a moment that it was also a pneumatophore, like one of the ones that were coming from the mangroves, but it wasn't. Lorray plucks this sprig of green plant from the ground, and then this happens. This is betus. Give it a try. Give it a try? Mm -hmm. Stick it in my mouth? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mmm, <laughs> salty. Delicious. This is pretty good. <laughs> Tastes like edamame. Mm -hmm. So we're near, oh, so there's another one. This is Oh my God, that's actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually tasty. You could see that with, you could see that in a salad. That's fantastic. So I think they actually sell salicornia sometimes to put in salads. But these are succulent salt marsh species that you'll find in this area with these mangroves. Ooh, that's sweeter than the last one. 
That first one is salty. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I understand why it's salty, but it is very <laughs> salty. Mm -hmm. You know, it's you so good. you see people on TV, you know, Bear Grylls and types eating stuff in the woods. Mm -hmm. I've always been like, that's cool. Well, and I just had won. some. Now I've done it. Now I'm done. Those are beautiful. Yeah. So those are not no, that's the mangrove. A, that's a saltwater species. So there I am, just standing there, eating two different types of saltwort, battis and salicornia, and just having a good time, eating wild plants. And I'll tell you, I ate a lot of that battis. It was surprisingly tasty. It was very good. We move on from me eating this foliage, but I keep nibbling on the little plant basically for the rest of the hike. I, I apologize. You might hear me chewing on plants in the background. Anyway, back to mangroves. You can always tell how high water gets in an area too by how tall the pneumatophores are. Because they are all they always need to be out of the um, water at some point to breed. So, so this area gets quite high. This, yeah. this area is probably about six or seven inches higher at times. Mm -hmm. Yep. Maybe during the summer probably when it gets, or a high tide more likely. I'm not really sure how this one functions because we are, we're not connected to an inlet. And sure. so I think a lot of it's wind driven. Okay, that makes sense. Look at how far they go though. I mean, yeah. look at how deep that goes. So a five foot mangrove can have pneumatophores that go out like eight meters. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. We tried to dig up one of these one time to figure out how much biomass is below ground. It was an adventure. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine because they probably, how deep do they go into the surface? They don't go that far. They're just like right below, yeah. like like a root, like on a sort of small tree, a root of a small tree. Mm -hmm. But they just go forever. Yeah. Under everything else. That is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's veins, right? It's it's them getting there. It's, it's it, if we think of it like a human system, like it's mm -hmm. it's just the branching out of a, of a larger system in order to, to breathe. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that mud is, that mud likes me. It's trying to take me in. Here's a little white mangrove. That little that little leaf yep. right there? So this is the first season of just the white mangrove. Wow. So this is a separate individual, this? Yep. Wow. That's one of the babies that has dropped off the tree and probably won't make it, especially now that we've pulled it up, but. <laughs> well, yeah. But like, look at his little, his little root systems he's already reaching. Mm -hmm. Wow. Look how good he is. There's all kinds of good ones back in here. Oh, wow, a those, red mangrove! An actual trunk of a ma red mangrove a right here? Baby. He's so small. He is, but he's probably old. Let's see. I'm going to narrate. Lorraine is, is doing uh, uh, tracking, like sort of examining the height of it, the leaves, the stems coming off of it, the width. How are you able to determine things about this based on its size? Um, so you can count the leaf pairs so there's an inner oh. node right here and usually these leaves will stay on for um, about a year before they fall off and then the next ones will come out and so you know in a lot of trees you can age them by um, their rings mm -hmm. you can't do that on mangroves um, but um, Dr. Candy Feller had kind of figured out a way to count the leaf pairs to see how old a tree was um, because even though it's small it could be really old mm -hmm. um, this one is probably about five years old. Five years? Yeah. It's like He's a so foot and a half tall. Yeah. Is that common for mangroves? For them to grow at this slow pace? Oh yeah, they're very slow growing. So then how old would you say the tree that we were just looking at with all of his, all of his tubes are? Mm -hmm. Is? Um, he can almost be 
40 years old. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. This is five years of growing. Yeah, <laughs> are yeah. these little tubies his? These little guys, no, or are they are part the, of a white mangrove? That's the, the black mangrove. Still, over there. yeah. Wow. And there might be another one over here somewhere. But. Wow. Yeah. So it's crazy go. that he got in here. That means that there's somewhere else. There's got to be. A, there's other red we mangroves. Have we have to find them. the other red mangroves. <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, he's literally red. Literally yeah, red yeah. at the base. Yep. It's right here where I switch out my recording and start a new one and clean up some garbage on the ground. I've edited out a little rant, but needless to say, it is really disappointing to see garbage in a wildlife refuge. Ridiculous. Anyway, I start a new recording right after Lorraine and I see a rat and I react like a child. Okay, so I'm starting a new recording and a rat just ran directly in front of us. <laughs> And we and I screamed. I absolutely screamed. Everyone knows now that Nick saw a rat and screamed in terror and surprise. Lorraine and I are back on the trail, and there are mangroves in abundance. We examine some leaves, and Lorraine quizzes me. When leaves have this, although this is a really thick, this is a very thick leaf. Which one is that? I would. This is. I'm gonna. Okay. Well, it is oval shaped but the trunk does not look like a black mangrove, but I'm gonna stay it's a black mangrove because it's got, dang, all right. <laughs> Thought I could do it this time. So it is a white mangrove? It is. You see those little, little notches on the oh, face of the leaf? Oh, okay. Look at that. And the, it's confusing because the white mangrove is green on both sides, but the black mangrove has the white on the underside. Okay, right. If you can remember that. That is good a, to know. So now, Let's talk about the weather, because that is really what drove us to this conversation in the first place. So the black mangroves are the ones that have, um, they're much more tolerant mm -hmm. of cold temperatures. Oh yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yes, so these are the mangroves that you'll see um, that are really the ones that are migrating. So you'll see them up in Fernandina Beach. Okay. Um, and it's just their tolerance. They are a little bit, you know, they're fine with having a few days of cold freezing temperatures. And depending on where they are, if they're kind of buffered by other trees, they can survive better. Mm -hmm. We've also noted that a lot of our coastal waters, you know, they have a lot of nutrients in them, mm -hmm. which is allowing the mangroves to grow quicker because they're using that limiting resource that they wouldn't have otherwise. And if they get big quick, they probably won't die in the next freeze. Okay. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. What, what does a freeze do to a mangrove? What is the what is the thing that, that is the most negative about a freeze's impact on a mangrove? It just essentially freezes their insides and right. then they're not able to recover from that. So. Is that a is that because they're a plant and plants don't like cold? Mm -hmm. Or is it be, is it is it worsened because mangroves have such a relationship with water? Oh that's a good question. I don't know. I, I, I yeah. just have always wondered that because yeah. they they're so close to water yeah. and obviously water is a part of them, but they are a tree. So water part is every tree's life or most trees' lives. Right, but, but, but other plants are right, fine. Right, right. And oftentimes water will help to buffer temperatures too. It'll keep sure. keep things warmer. So. Right, which is what we were talking about the citrus trees, the mm -hmm. water under the surface having that positive impact that mm -hmm. the rest of the ecosystem, the freeze mm -hmm. around them was having a negative impact. So how do we get to the, the mangroves moving? Like, like go to, tell me that whole story, that yes. whole situation. So let's fast track into climate change it's right. getting warmer okay? right we're not having hard freezes like we used to mm -hmm. and what is happening is mangroves they'll come they'll take hold kind of like what we saw that little tiny one mm -hmm. around the corner and if you don't have a hard freeze that comes in to kill it especially when it's young it's 
going to get big. Right. And once it gets big, it's going to be harder to kill. And one of the things that we're noting is that not only are we seeing this decrease in freezing temperatures that's mm-hmm. allowing them to survive, but these more extreme hurricanes that we're having mm-hmm. is allowing all the propules that can float for a long period of time to be moved all over the state. So they'll get flushed out of inlets uh-huh. and they'll make it into other inlets and then they'll get pushed really far back into salt marshes and those um, storm surges and high tides. And then they get dropped back there and they can do really well by mm. outcompeting the salt marsh plant. And so they'll outcompete the salt marsh and then they're having their babies. They drop their babies right next to it. Mm. Then they grow. And then it's just kind of this zone of inhibition that keeps happening. So you're telling me that there are total, this may be a huge leap to make and maybe a too big of a statement, but like there's too many of them. They're going into places they shouldn't be. No, we like them there. We want them to be <laughs> propagating, even though it's because of the climate change that's warming the waters. Yeah. And that is where we will pick up next Tuesday for our second part of our exploration of Florida's mangroves. Because there is so much more about mangroves you have to understand, especially their impact in maybe helping save the world. So tune in for the second part of the mangroves next Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I am so glad that you are here. I am so proud of getting to talk to amazing people like Lorray and getting to introduce people with such insight and, and history and experience to share. And Lorray is one of the best. If you haven't listened to the episode she was on before about the manatees, go back and give that one a listen and check out what she and her colleagues are doing at the Florida Oceanographic Society. That work is so important right now when our oceans are facing more and more threats. And if you're near the Florida Oceanographic Coastal Center, I cannot recommend it enough. It's one of my favorite places. I got to go back very, very soon. So thank you to Lorray. You will hear even more from Lorray next week. If you enjoyed hearing this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps the show grow, and that means a lot to me. You can also find the show on social media at WFMPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can send me an email at WFMPod at gmail.com. I've gotten some really kind messages in the last couple of weeks. They really, truly mean the world to me, so send me a message. I would love to hear from you. All right, I will be back next week on the 5th of July, next Tuesday. I'm going to celebrate the holiday with my family, and then there will be a new episode out on July 5th. Please, if you are listening to this episode, stay tuned to the social media because I just went on a trip to Augusta, Georgia. You'll find out why very soon. I'm very excited about that episode. (laughs) You're not going to believe it. It's basically a Georgia episode of the podcast. You'll see. Anyway, stay tuned to the social medias. Keep listening to this season. I'm so excited for the summer stories ahead. We've got some camping on the horizon and we've got an episode talking about coral that is going to blow your minds. So stay tuned. I'll see you next Tuesday. I hope you have a lovely 4th of July weekend. I will see you next Tuesday. And of course, be good to yourself, be good to others, and it's getting hot out there. Please, for your own safety, don't just do it for me, do it for yourself. Drink more water. Have a good week.